0: Episode 70 of The Night Shift with one more preseason game to go for the London Knights before we kick off the 2023-2024 regular season. You can follow the podcast, The Night Shift, on um, whatever platform you get your podcast on, whether it is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts as well. Mike, we are up to episode 70 now, and... We got one uh, one preseason game left. We just saw one uh, the past night between the London Knights and the Erie Otters. London coming away with a 3-2 victory. Let's start there. Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the lineup. Who stood out to you? What did you see from this contest?
1: Well, great atmosphere, thanks to a lot of young hockey players from St. Thomas at the Thornton Community Centre. So they were great hosts. And the Knights went into this game, and you would look at it on paper and say... Uh-oh, because Erie had a full lineup. Erie had two goalies available, and they ended up using one. They had six defensemen. They had 12 forwards. The Knights had 15 skaters to start. They were going with three lines, and then a fight between Ryder Bolton and Georgi Tropsev, not exactly halfway through the game, a little shy of halfway through the game, meant the Knights were down to 14 skaters, and that's how they played the game. And so the grit and determination it takes to pull something like that off, they still have eight players away at NHL camps. That led to the fact that they were only using three forward lines. Uh, This became really impressive. This is like the young lineup going into Sarnia against the veterans that remain on the Sarnia Sting and winning 3-2. Every single preseason game the Knights have played, 3-2. So here are the high points. The penalty kill. Late in the second period, Erie gets a penalty, or Erie gets power play, And the Knights kill off the penalty and did it by blocking shots. Did it by not really giving anything up to the inside, keeping the Otters to the outside. And the Otters have some players who can make some noise in a power play situation. Matthew Schaefer looks very good. Pano is a dangerous guy. Andre Molnar can shoot a puck. So there was a lot to be afraid of and the Knights killed it off. And then with about 2.06 to go in the third period, up 3-2, here comes another penalty. And the Knights had to kill off a power play again to close out this game. And they did it. Ruslan Gazazov played a lot of penalty kill time, looked really good, blocked shots. He he really stood out on the penalty kill. And then, I mean, the the defensemen like Sam Dickinson and Ethan McKinnon, and I mean they did very, very well on the penalty kill. Other things to look at, Blake Aerosmith, uh, when he gets a chance to score. He's going to put the puck in the net, and that's a good sign at this level because it's not always easy to do that. Blake Aerosmith got a pass from Sam O'Reilly from behind the net, and it credits Sam O'Reilly for the work he was doing. He had two assists in the game against Erie and St. Thomas. Juan Copeland had a pair of assists, and then Henry Brustevich showed off his shot. He brought the puck down the left-wing side, kind of stopped inside the blue line, and rifled a shot that went in past Kyle Downey of the Otters. And the other goal, Caden Johnston on uh keeper where it's a two-on-one and he uses Sam O'Reilly as a decoy and he ripped the shot in. So a lot of really positive things from the game. But I think maybe the, the best positive in all of this, Erie outshot the Knights. Erie had their chances. Erie had a penalty shot in the first minute of the game. Owen Wilmore stopped it. Owen Wilmore stopped a breakaway opportunity by Andre Molnar and then following up on the play is Malcolm Spence, who is going to be one of Erie's best players for years to come, not even draft eligible until 2025 because he's a late birthday. He's 17 years old. He's the guy that scored the overtime winner for Canada at the Holinka Gretzky Cup and Owen Wilmore stops that too. And then Alexey Medvedev came in and he made every single save on every single shot. And the thing about Alexei Medvedev, he's only 16. He's going to play a lot for St. Thomas this year. But normally, when you come into a net at 16 years old, you don't quite look like an OHL goalie. There's just, there's, there's something that, yeah, you're, you're just, you're not quite comfortable yet. Alexei Medvedev looked comfortable, Kyle. He made the saves. Positionally, he was good. His feet are so quick. Now, again, he's 16 years old. The Knights are going to bring him along at the speed that they need to bring him along at. But that was a really impressive sign to go into the building where you're going to be playing an awful lot and be able to do what he did. Owen Wilmore, same thing, in his hometown. He's a former St. Thomas star. To be able to perform how he did, outstanding. So goaltending was huge. Well, and that's, again, you said
0: that too. It's impressive. And let's not forget the fact that Medvedev was uh, selected by the London Knights in the second round of the OHL priority selection. So there is a little bit of capital and uh, you see some teams do that every now and then, but you're right. When Owen Wilmore was brought into this organization, I've watched the first few preseason games he played. He wasn't an OHL goaltender yet. And that's fine. It takes time. It takes a year or two to really get to that point. It's really exciting and really promising to hear that Medvedev already kind of looks the part, even though he's going to play a lot more in St. Thomas. It's nice to see that that pedigree is kind of already there. And uh, Wilmore, who looked like he was a he's going to be a good uh, one 2 tandem partner with Zach Bowen, if that is the goaltending tandem throughout the course of the season. But as of right now, he looks like he's come along a, a long way as well. And the Knights are back at it, like we mentioned tonight for their final preseason game as
1: well. And we will probably, I don't have anything to suggest this other than what you would think when Wilmore and Medvedev play one night, the next night, I think we'll see Zach Bowen, who's back from Edmonton Oilers camp, got to do some jet skiing at Duncan Key's Cottage. Uh, <laughs> he had a, a great old time in Edmonton and got into a game against the Calgary Flames. I think we'll see Zach Bowen in goal and a similar lineup because the Knights are down Landon Sim and Will Nickel, who are still out with injury. They still have eight players away at NHL training camps, and we'll see how many of them have earned spots to at least play a preseason game in the NHL. Preseason games will begin on Sunday, September the 24th in the National Hockey League, and so they may have earned themselves a look that way. Will they be back for opening night is always the question. The Knights tend to have a lot of players in NHL camps, and it's just about getting through tonight healthy. That's what you want to do. So 7 o'clock start time as we record this on Friday morning ahead of the Knights and the Erie Otters. And then that leaves us one week away From the home opener, the season opener against the Niagara Ice Dogs, and we sat down and talked with Alex Brown, who is the Director of Marketing and Game Day Operations for the London Knights, about the Fan Fest that is taking place. You don't need a ticket. We'll ask Alex that just to make sure, but you don't need a a game ticket to go to Fan Fest. That'll be between 5 and 7, all around Budweiser Gardens. But we did talk with Alex about the fact that once the season gets going, the routine, oh, the routine just sinks right back in.
2: Once you get this close to having games, of course, on the business side, you're working with all the sponsors, the tickets, uh, and it becomes routine because you're doing it 34 times throughout the regular season. But, yeah, we're excited right now.
1: Let's talk about opening night. If we look at the schedule, it says London Knights, home to the Niagara Ice Dogs. What else do we need to know about opening night? Because there's more than just nights and ice dogs. That'll be the cherry on top, but there's a lot to go through and a lot to do before we even get there.
2: There is, and you know what? I think the game might be almost sold out. So this year we're going to host a fan fest here on Dundas Place outside of Gate 4. Anyone can come, so you don't need a game ticket. It's a free family event. There'll be live music there will be uh, face painting and, and inflatable games and activities for kids. Uh, you can get your picture with the Western Conference Championship Trophy that will be on site. And if you come early before 5 o'clock, you might even catch some of the players walking in the red carpet.
1: Oh, wait a minute. So, we, you know, those, those pictures that we see that show the Knights and you know, whatever outfit they're in, we'll see that live.
2: Yes, you'll have a chance. I, I know some of the guys like Bonk come really early, early to the rink, but I think generally speaking around the 4.30 to 5.00 timeline, you'll be able to catch some guys coming in their suits and, and uh, on, on the red carpet on Dundas Place.
1: And let's highlight that again. You don't need a game ticket to go to Fan Fest.
2: Correct. It's a free event for anyone. Any Knights fan can come, whether they have a ticket for the game or not. Uh, it's from 5.00 to 7.00 is the official start times. Um, And again, we'll have tons of different activities, things for kids to do. And we're also going to have a happy hour special. So those $5 beers will be out there um, and some different food items as well for uh, for families.
1: Fantastic. And then the season gets underway. How excited is the organization right now to see what happens in 2023-2024?
2: Well, I think the, the excitement around the city speaks for itself. I think the, the draft last year and, and, and Cowan and Bonk and Julian and Barking these guys uh, and, and all these players going to NHL camps, there's a really a strong buzz in the city and that carries over to the organization and it just helps with, as you can imagine, tickets and everything else going on. So it's a really exciting time for us. Alex, thanks for this. Thanks, Subji.
1: Alex Brown, who is the director of marketing and game day operations for the London Knights. We are up to another division preview. It is our East division preview on this episode of the night shift. And we will go all the way East to the place where the OHL season wrapped up in 2023. We're going to Peterborough. We got to get this over with, Kyle, I think more than anything. The Knights, of <laughs> course, were beaten by the Peterborough Pete's in six games in the OHL Championship Series. Congratulations to the Peterborough Peats. We sat down with a longtime voice of the Peterborough Peats, Pete Dalladay, and we just had Pete just lay it on us. Pete, what were the celebrations like in <laughs> Peterborough?
3: Uh, yeah, well, they, they were good. Uh, the, the trophy uh, made its way around. Uh, it may have got uh, damaged here and there, from what I hear, but uh, it's fully repaired and and uh, now it's back to business. Mike, as you know, I mean, uh, it's fun in games. It's a quick summer when you go as deep as the Peets did and, and London going deep as well. So, but it's back to business, and then just a week away or so. So, um, it was it was a fun summer. It's something we weren't able to enjoy here in Peterborough since 2006 so it was a long time coming. Pete, talk to us
1: about expectations for this year. Where do they sit?
3: You know what? I really hope they they sit and find themselves in a situation where they're they're not, you know, restocking the shelves too too badly. Yes, offensively, they lost a lot of goals, a lot of offense. Offman's gone, Stillman, Avon, Robertson, uh Owen Beck uh could he Dick in Montreal, I I doubt it, but if not, he's back to Peterborough. So that will help. But Dave Lorenz is a name you may recognize from the Peets back in the 80s. He's a former captain of the Peets and is now the president. He just took over as the president of the Peets. And I think Dave really wants to go back to the old motto where the Peets don't rebuild, they reload. And I'm not saying they're going to go to the OHL championship, but I think Dave in his first year as president wants to put a winning team on the ice and we'll do what it takes to at least put a competitive team onto the ice in front of their record-setting season ticket holders, which they just surpassed last week an all-time high. Pete
1: Dalladay joining us. Pete, how about returnees last year who you're excited to see maybe take that step? You mentioned a lot of the players who aren't there anymore. Who maybe could move into some of those spots?
3: Looking, uh, well, you, you got a guy like Chase LaFave who was able to get some OHL experience, uh, OHL finals and Memorial Cup experience, a name you didn't hear a whole lot perhaps, but was a solid sort of third-line player for the Peets going down the stretch. He's going to have to step it up. And, you know, I really think, Mike, this team is going to win hockey games from the goaltender out. If Michael Simpson does come back as an overager, and I'm not 100% sure his status there, but uh, then you're going to have Donovan McCoy, you're going to have Sam Maya and Connor Smith as sort of twin towers, if you will, or three of them. Like, that's the key for this team. So to answer your question, it, it's, you know, there's a few guys that can step up offensively. They're going to have to. Otherwise, they're just going to have to win a lot of 2-1, 3-2 hockey games, which is, is a possibility. But um, we'll see. You know, that's the beautiful thing. Is uh, you got a Brandon McCallum as a kid that, to answer your question again, might step it up and, and, uh, and show that he can be a 20 to 25 goal scorer in this league. Well, you
1: said it. That's the beauty of this time of year. Who would have predicted this time last year that the OHL Championship Series would feature the London Knights and the Peterborough Peets? I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody outside of London and Peterborough saying anything like that.
3: Well, that, that's right. That's why. That's why they play sixty plus games. You, you never know. And and I thought it was fitting. I, I, you know, I wish it was sometimes the spring again, and we could relive that series again. And and you could replay it, and it, it could totally go a different way. If it was that close. So uh, you never know. It, it's fun, and everyone's in first place right now. And that's the beautiful thing of of junior hockey. It could be anybody.
1: Looking forward to it. The Knights will visit the Peets pretty early this season, so we'll see you soon. All right, Mike. Good to chat with you as always. That is Pete Dalladay, voice of the Peterborough Peets. And so they've lost some players. They're hoping that the knowledge of what it takes to get as far as they did helps them to stay very, very good this year in the Eastern Conference. Let's go east of Peterborough to Kingston with Jim Gilchrist. Remember, Kingston put in a bid to host the Memorial Cup. Ultimately, the Memorial Cup will be played in Saginaw this year, so Kingston's bid was not successful. They had moved Shane Wright to Windsor, getting back Ethan Miedema and hoping that you know he can be a cornerstone for them. So they would have needed a roster to compete at the Memorial Cup. The question then becomes, how good will Kingston be? We asked Jim Gilchrist, the voice of the Kingston Frontenacs, about the expectations in K-Town.
4: Yeah, I think, uh, Mike, every it's got to be a team effort. You haven't got that one big guy, although we do have a, Paul Lewinsky, the captain, Ethan Minema, who he picked up in that trade from Windsor uh, Ford Ryder. But uh, you haven't got that one guy that's going to score you 40, 50 goals. So this is going to be, uh, have to be a really team effort this year. And they're looking, uh, talking to Corey Cooper, the uh, GM here, and coaches, et cetera, that during camp that they're really looking as a team effort and everybody kind of contributing one way or another. Returning guys have got to come up with some big years here. Certainly, Ludwinski, the captain, is admitting that he had kind of an off year as far as scoring there is concerned last year. He's really got to pick that up. I think uh, Ethan Minema, as we said in that Windsor deal, uh, just got really into the groove of things from the trade deadline into here into Kingston at the end of the year. And by the end of the season, he was really into it. So I think a big year from him has really got to be uh, on the books here again this year. Matt Soto, also a returning player in his third year in the OHL, he's got to come up with at least a 30-40 goal season, I think. They've got some great leadership back there on the blue line and the overager, and you know well of this guy by seeing a lot of them. Jacob Holmes, the overrager, back on the D from Windsor, and he's just added a lot already. Guys are saying he's great in the room, going to be a big leader back there in the D to add that experience there. Quentin Burns, we've seen his development over the years here, drafted by St. Louis at the NHL draft, and I think that's going to be a big boost for his confidence. So, it's the returning guys, though, that have got to be have a, a big year for us this year.
1: Jim Gilchrist with us, voice of the Kingston Frontenacs. Jim, last year Kingston had bid for the Memorial Cup. Is that kind of any incentive that Kingston was not awarded the Memorial Cup? Do you say, hey, we're going to go and get there
4: anyway? I think so, yeah. And especially maybe in games against Saginaw, you're going to see that a little uh, fired up a bit more. And uh, ironically enough, Braden Hasey, a former Frontenac, is uh, ending up with Saginaw there, so. I think you're going to see that maybe, that uh, we're going to kind of show that uh, hey, it should have been ours in the first place. And I think overall, hopefully, that, uh, that feeling is there for the guys, the returning here. Again, the returning guys have got to maybe feel that way and show that little inspiration that, uh, yeah, you know we'll, we'll be there anyway kind of deal. So it's, uh, hopefully they've got that kind of in the back of their minds too.
1: Jim, finally in goal. Ivan Shigalov has moved on. So what happens?
4: Uh, Mason Bakari is going to be number one here at a solid camp here so far. We've only had a couple of exhibition games. We've got a couple more coming up this weekend. And I think uh, he's got to come up, obviously, with uh, the key saves at key times. He did there near the end of last season again, and it's got to be his leadership in the goal right from uh, day one here. And I think uh, he's confident enough that he had good experience there last year uh, backing up, and I think he's got that number one position this year, and he's going to run with it. Jim, appreciate the preview. We'll see you a little later on this season. All right, thanks there, Mike. And uh, I just want to add there, to uh, my condolences to the uh, Hunter family for the loss of Dick Hunter last week there. Uh, he had some great discussions with uh, Larry Mavity when we saw them down here. We couldn't record any to put on air, but, uh, man, what a, a great gentleman. So uh, my condolences to the Hunter family.
1: Can you imagine being the proverbial fly on the wall for those <laughs> conversations? Jim, thank you. Thanks there, Mike. Jim Gilchrist, radio voice of the Kingston Frontenacs. So they're an intriguing team because they could be a good team, a sneaky good team. Kenny Walls is the radio voice of the Ottawa 67s. Ottawa is going to be a good team. When we talk about depth in the OHL in the West, the London Knights lead the league in depth. Saginaw would be a close second. But how about the Ottawa 67s in the East? We talked with Kenny
5: about the fact that Ottawa is a deep team. And for a team that has been building, this is kind of the, the next two years is the culmination of it. When you go back to the, the COVID year and the draft from the 2021 season, that's the, the Luca Pinellis, the Chris Barlesses, the Brad Gardners, the... The list goes on and on with Cooper Foster. These are all the guys that they were able to hit on who were able to get a draft drafted into the NHL. So those are the guys that are starting to come to the forefront. And then James Boyd and the scouting staff has been able to supplement with other players. Every roster has been drafted by the Ottawa 67s. There are no trades at this moment on this roster. So it is all through the scouting. Of James Boyd and and the entire scouting staff, that Ottawa's gotten to the point where they are, and that's without two first round picks, which they traded away, and will get compensatory picks for. So it's uh, it's it, there's a lot of depth, and it's all internal depth, which is a nice a nice aspect of it.
1: Well, let's maybe begin on defense because we saw the holinka Gretzky Cup this past summer, and there were so many OHL defensemen on them. Two of them, two of them came from Ottawa, and Frankie Morelli and and Henry Mews, both, like you say, first-round picks of the Ottawa 67s. How much do those guys run the show this year?
5: Uh, There's a good chance that they're the number one and two defensemen on this team by midseason. Right now, I think that belongs to Matt Mayich and and whoever he's partnered with. But these guys were partnered together as 16-year-olds on the back end for the ottawa 67s last year and and that went into the playoffs as well we really haven't seen that in ottawa since the brian campbell and nick boynton days so the the expectations are high there is a ton of offensive ability in henry Mews. we saw that last year only one of three ottawa 67 defensemen in their 16 or younger season pick up 20 or t- at least 10 goals uh, on the season and there's a lot of untapped offensive potential with Frankie Morelli as well uh, he is a defensive stud if he was 6-1 6-2, he would be talked about in top 20 top 15 of the upcoming NHL draft as well there is just so much upside with these two they're going to be leaders on this team from day one and I wouldn't be surprised to see them be the the top pairing sooner rather than later in Ottawa.
1: You mentioned Luca Pinelli, and you mentioned other players who now have been drafted like Brad Gardner. Jack Beck is a guy who could play an overage year. Do you know whether or not he's, you know, he's a guy that's expected back or like everybody else, are you you waiting to see what happens after NHL camps?
5: In a wait and see mode, but Checking out the Carolina Hurricanes camp roster, they did not take any of their free agent invitees to their main camp. And unless Jack Beck catches on somewhere else on a main camp, I would expect him back in the OHL sooner rather than later. He could be one of the better overage players in the OHL this season. So long as he remains healthy. And the two previous years after COVID, he is not. Whether it's been uh, head issues or neck issues or... Uh, a ruptured spleen, I believe it was. There's been some kind of freak accidents and freak injuries that have uh, hindered his career up until this point. Uh, if he can stay healthy, he is going to be a massive point producer in the OHL. And then the other guys who are NHL drafted, I think there's a big breakout coming for the likes of a uh, Cooper Foster, who, for my money, Could have been the first player drafted off the Ottawa 67s last year based on potential and uh, what he could be at the next level. That ended up being Brad Gardner, who uh, could be a tremendous two-way forward uh, centre at the next level. So there's a lot of upside with this Ottawa team.
1: Any depth and goal in 20-year-old Max Donoso and 19-year-old Colin McKenzie. Do the 67s, do they shoot for number one? Is that where this team is headed? You mentioned the next two years. Would they be early this year if they kind of hit the top of the Eastern Conference?
5: I think they were early last year, Mike. Uh, that record-setting year, 107 points for them. That, that's a new franchise record. They were early last year. I don't think that they were expecting that, and much like... The year leading into COVID, that was supposed to be their year. They hit a year early. So I think that there's a good chance that this team could be first in the East Division. I really like the makeup of the Sudbury Wolves. North Bay still has a lot of talent. But in the East Division, I I don't see a team that has made a big enough step that could challenge Ottawa. And you mentioned the depth and goal. Uh, For my money, that's the best goaltending duo in the league right now. Whether they both finish the year in Ottawa remains a big question because both guys, to me, are 45-50 start guys deserving of 45 or 50 starts in the OHL. And when you have two guys of that caliber, we know that's not the case. Uh, I think that Colin McKenzie, well, I know that if he had played 80 more minutes last year, he would have been number one in save percentage, goals against average, any major statistical category aside from wins, he would have been first in. And he reminds me so much of Cedric Andre, who was on the same path as what Colin McKenzie has done. I think that he could be the starter, and that leaves Max Donoso as an overager sitting on the bench to start the year and not getting the majority of the starts. How they play it out, I'm not sure. I just don't think that we'll see both of them in Ottawa by the trade deadline.
1: The London Knights and the Ottawa 67s have the thing in common that both had their season ended by Peterborough last year. Both look to go further than they did last year. We'll see what happens. Kenny, it's always fun. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Mike. Kenny Walls of the Ottawa 67s. Ottawa will be heard from this year. There are a lot of good players, maybe names that you don't know, even if you follow the OHL on a regular basis, but you'll know them. And Kenny went through quite a few of them. Let's go to Oshawa where Jack Moore is the voice of the Oshawa generals. And we asked him, how good can the young and emerging generals be this year?
6: Well, I think they're an exciting young building team. Um, you, you look at Callum Ritchie gets drafted in, gets drafted in the first round. You bring in Rasmus Kumpelainen in, in the import draft, who's a Minnesota Wild second-round pick this past year. Dylan Roebrook getting drafted by the New York Rangers. Of course, the London ties there. Um, so I think there's a lot of young, exciting talent, and that's not even talking about the three guys who are, going to get drafted in 2024 in Luca Morelli, Ben Danford, and Beckett Seneca. Um, so I think there's a lot of, of excitement. I think they're hoping to build off of a lot of learning experience for young guys last year, get them into the lineup, and and hopefully be able to to build something, get a little bit higher in the Eastern Conference standings, and hopefully win a playoff series.
1: There is that core that's kind of been growing together for a little while. Is that the thing that you look at and say, all right, this this now has that base where you get back to being that, uh, that Oshawa Generals team that everybody remembers?
6: Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. And I think it, it it's those guys from the 2021 draft class, um, the Richies, the Morellies, uh, who have been here. This is their third year now with the team. And then you have those rookies who were in last year who are with the team. And then you bring in some veteran guys, of course, Stuart Roloffs, who came over from the London Knights back in 2021. Um, he's he's a big part of this team. They're hoping for a big year. He's coming off camp with the Ottawa Senators, um, Thomas Stewart, who's was uh, acquired via trade before the 21. 122 season um, from the Barry Colts uh, being an overage defenseman and then bringing in Nikita Terasevich who's won back-to-back Central Division Championships with the North Bay Battalion um, and he's lost two years straight in the Eastern Conference Final and you know he wants to to take a step and he wants to have a big overage season as well so there's a lot of reasons uh, to be excited about it and another key guy that got brought in last year is Ryder McIntyre and what he does in the room the, the kind of confidence that he brings and the energy that he he brings every day like that was a trade that really helped both sides so well cooper way being a, a depth centerman for the sarnia sting last year on their run to the western conference final and then you bring in Ryder mcintyre here now going into his 19 year old season and they're expecting him to have a big year
1: there have been four goalies in camp and on the roster a 19 year old an 18 year old 17 year old and a 16 year old any idea how the crease
6: shapes up well, actually, there's been five. Uh, Carter Bickle just signed with the Charlottetown Islanders. He was the backup goalie last year in Oshawa. Um, so he'll be he'll be off in the QMJHL. Uh, Jacob Oster is going to be the starter until further notice. He's uh, made the main camp with the Los Angeles Kings. Um, so they're hoping for him to have a big year. I'd expect Isaac Ravel to play the majority of the year in the GOJHL. Um, he's a 16-year-old second-round pick in 2023, went 27th overall. So I think they want to get him some experience in the crease um, and not have him sit behind Oster for a year. So they want him to play as much as possible uh, this season. So really, that backup job is between Hayden Sabrin, who played for Elmira last year, and Noah Bender, who was the uh, PJHL uh, player of the year last year, who is a... 2022 12th round pick by the generals so um really that's where the competition is for the backup goalie but i'd expect for the start of the year oshawa to carry three goalies and just try and figure out uh where they're gonna go in that number two spot
1: yeah wait to see what happens jack thanks for the time
6: thank you very much mike
1: jack Moore, voice of the oshawa generals so where do they fit in? They'll want to be competitive this year, and then their year might be next year, and then we'll see what Oshawa can put together. They've been going through that kind of rebuild mode following a championship back in 2015 and some other good runs. So the Oshawa Generals, they've got a good base of young players. Also, good base of young players in now Brantford, where the Bulldogs are. We talked with Reed Duthie, who is the voice of the Brantford Bulldogs, And Reed is somebody that has certainly made an address change. He's added to his family brand new baby in the house. And we talked with Reed about the fact that some teams will have new players who they're excited to see. Um, Some teams will have a coach that's new. Well, how about the whole shooting match being new? The whole city being new? Welcome to Brantford. Yeah, Mike, this is this is fantastic. And
7: and the response that we've gotten from the community has been outstanding. Uh, season's tickets just flew out the door. The uh, just the, the overall response from the community in terms of fans, in terms of sponsors, corporate uh, backers, everybody has turned out to get involved with the Brantford Bulldogs. We couldn't be more excited about the progress and wait until you get inside the Civic Center after the renovations, it is going to be rocking every single time the Bulldogs hit the ice.
1: Now, one of the things that a building like the Civic Center can do is when you fill it, it gets really, really loud. Do you sense that could be a thing?
7: Oh, 100%. When we did a a little community skate, uh, we had a practice uh, towards the end of last season just to give fans, a little sneak peek of what they were going to see. And uh, it was almost a last look at the Civic Center the way it was before it was being renovated. And we didn't have that place full. I think it was about And Keep in mind, this was during an ice storm and we still had 1500 plus show up to the Civic Center to see this team. And it was already getting loud. When you put 3000 plus inside that building, the walls are going to shake. Your feet will shake underneath you in the broadcast booth. It is going to be a lot of fun. It is the kind of atmosphere you you live for in junior hockey.
1: Okay, let's look at this team because the Bulldogs made a lot of shrewd moves bringing in young players. Knights fans will recognize a few of the names for sure. But you look at the number of 2005 born players, 2006 born players. Where do you think expectations lie? I think expectations
7: are are, are coming up a bit. Now, last season, there didn't seem to be a lot of expectations following the championship run. And generally, you see that cycle in junior hockey. Well, maybe not yourself, Mike, because the Knights have kind of broken the cycle. And the, the Bulldogs are trying to do the exact same thing. And that's get away from the idea of you win and then you have to totally rebuild. This team retooled on the fly and went from a team that people at the beginning of the season were saying, well, they might miss the playoffs to if they had been healthy, maybe we're talking about a second-round team. That series with Barry, extremely close outside of Game 1, and uh, it was it was a really fun playoff series. So now, with more experience under their belts, you've got leadership and the likes of Lawson Shirk coming back, who's the 0-3 up front that will lead this team, and then Patrick Thomas and old 4 who was part of the championship team, of course, with Mason McTavish and London Knights alum now Ryan Winterton and then you get Nick Lardis who stepped in last season Florian Jack, Adrian Rebello there's a whole bunch of young guys who are looking to take those next steps forward Uh, I think expectations are starting to build forward for this team a little bit I think everybody's just kind of excited to see them in Brantford but it's coming Mike it's those expectations are going to raise
1: as this season goes along well, it will be about a 40 minute drive between cities, between London and Brantford. Lots of fans can try to make it if they can get tickets and it'll still be an intra-conference matchup. At some point, we've got to pull you into the West, Reed. Mike, we're working on that. I think you and I have to start a movement or something. We, we
7: might have to get the guys in Kitchener and Guelph involved or something because <laughs> this is just getting downright silly how we are not all in that same division and, and traveling 40 minutes a night instead of you guys uh, having to make the run multiple times to the Sioux or us making the run multiple times to Ottawa. It's, uh, it's somewhat puzzling.
1: <laughs> it is, but you know what? We'll take it. It's junior hockey. Reed, looking forward to seeing things in Brantford. Get that place rocking. Congratulations on the new baby, and thanks for the time. Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Can't wait to uh, meet up with you again on the road this season. Reed Duthie, a dad times two. And what is that for draft year now? It's 2023, 2038 draft year in the OHL. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, uh, that's a ways off, but, but, uh, not yeah, there, but... boys ready.
0: Yep, we, uh, we love hearing that. And it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, this is a, uh, a a city, I think, that's been looking for a potential team there. They've got the infrastructure to host an OHL team this is more of like a a trial basis mike i believe from hamilton to Brantford to kind of see how things go moving forward and if it ends up being a permanent home or maybe they go to a different spot but as of right now they are the Brantford bulldogs and there there's some nice pieces around there we know a couple of them after a couple of trades between formerly hamilton and london you know there's a luca testa down there uh last year sahil panwar had a phenomenal year down there as well so i'm a this is a very intriguing it's just a team that I have on my radar just to watch just to see because there's always dark Horse teams that that play above expectation level and this very well may be that team.
1: Absolutely. Well, we'll see what happens as the preseason closes out. Then we will take a really close, in-depth look at the London Knights in our next episode getting set for 23-24 and we'll have our Central Division preview and get you ready for the regular season to open up. You can follow Kyle on socials at Kyle Grimard. You can follow me at Stubbs980. Thanks so much for checking out the night shift.
0: Yes, as always, and uh, we'll be back to recap the final game. Season preview, as uh, Mike said, and I'm ready. Let's drop the puck already, Mike.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Let's do it.